The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Hey guys, Chris here, and welcome to another brand new episode of Tales from the Association. Before I talk to you about this week's show, I wanted to let you know that we have heard you loud and clear and that it is our intention to bring the show back to a weekly format moving forward. Thank you so much for your continued support. And you know, if you're so inclined, another great way to support us is by supporting our sponsors. This week's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. We'll talk a lot more about them later, but if you're looking to buy tickets fast and easy, go to SeatGeek and use our promo code TAILS for $20 off. It's a great deal. It's a great company. You'll be glad you did. I am thrilled about the show this week. My guest is Isaac Austin, and I've got to tell you that he goes on the Mount Rushmore of Tales from the Association guests so far. We had a great talk about his career, and we get into some other basketball-related stuff as well. Thank you so much for Isaac for coming on, and we hope to have him back on in the future. Without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Tales from the Association featuring Isaac Austin. Enjoy. Tales from the association, yeah, it's going down. This the podcast, yeah, you heard it all around. Players hit us with that career, cause you know that basketball, man, is not always there. Sometimes it come and go from the recruitment to the college phase, back to the NBA draft, yeah, that's not days. Playing internationally, and at the life at a basketball, man, they're gonna tell us all how it go. See, story is how now, now you know. Tales from the association. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of Tales from the Association. I'm Chris Horwoodell, and on the show this week, we have got a good one. A former Sun Devil who came into the NBA as a second-round draft pick and hung around for a decade. You probably know him best as Ike, Isaac Austin. Isaac, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Chris. So before we get to you, let's talk about your nephew for a second. For those who don't know, you're the uncle of Isaiah Austin. Isaiah was projected to be a first-round pick in 2014 and was unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, diagnosed with Marfan syndrome leading up to the draft. He was cleared to return to basketball in 2016 and is currently playing in the Lebanese Basketball League. How close are you to Isaiah? Uh, we, we, we've, uh, we've talked. You know, that's my brother's uh, only, uh, only son. Mm-hmm. And um, I talked to uh, Zeke a lot when he was playing in uh, AAU. He played under uh, a guy that um, grew up with me, uh, Ato, with uh, with the uh, Magic, Compton mm-hmm. Magic, uh, West Coast. So, um, but um, you know, it was very sad to hear that uh, that that uh, the, that the disease had um, you know hindered him from. Uh, becoming a you know a first round pick, I, yeah. I think he had the the length, uh, the ability to shoot the jumper. Um, I think the only thing that he was lacking was able to put on weight, so that uh, you know he'll be able to hold his own down under the basket. Let me ask you, what was the attitude of the family when that diagnosis happened? Is is it sort of like? You know, this is heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's kind of a blessing that we know this now and we can deal with it. Yeah, I, 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 I think that is the best way to, to look at it. I, I mean, uh, Isaiah has turned his uh, his um, 
uh, his disease into something positive by uh, doing the foundation. He wrote the book. You know, sometimes in life you need things like that. You know, it's like myself. You know, I was a second-round draft pick. I was hit with, you know, being overweight, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in and out the league, and then all of a sudden click, it clicks, and now you become most improved player in the league. So uh, you need, I believe, you need adversity to overcome and be successful. And I think he's taken his story and then changed it to something positive, which is he's out there reaching – reaching out to a lot of kids and, and making them aware that something that we probably would not even known about if it didn't happen to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great that he can take a negative and turn it into a positive for, you know, both himself and other people. Correct. So correct. So I, I commend him with uh, the things that he's been doing for sure. But let's turn our attention to you. You know, you're coming out of Las Plumas in California, and you end up at Reedley Junior College for a couple of seasons. How did you end up going the JUCO route? Uh, I wasn't um, a highly recruited uh, high school player, so um, there was a uh, a coach. His name was Coach Hughes, and um, knew him from a camp when I went to. Uh, he used to coach at Fresno State at the time. And, um, I felt that that would be a, a, a good route for me because I wasn't highly recruited out of high school. So I, I just went to a junior college and, uh, you know, kind of let myself de- develop more. I wasn't this big time high school player, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't start really blooming until junior college. So, uh, I just needed that time to really develop and, and get under myself and get myself under control as for, uh, weight and condition and, and, you know, having someone like Coach Hughes, who at the time was um, a Bobby Knight type of coach. Mm. So You you play for uh, another Bobby Knight type of coach a little bit later in your career, but we will get there in a while. From Reedley, you end up at Arizona State alongside your brother Alex. What made Arizona State right for you? Well, I wanted to play with my brother. Mm. You know, I admired my brother out through, throughout high school. You know, he was a fantastic high school player. You know, I've seen him drop 65 on the team uh, in one night. So mm. he was fantastic in high school and just was amazed about that. And then going to junior college, even though I went to the other recruiting trips like USC and Washington and Washington State and mm. You know, most of the Pac-10 schools, I was visiting out there in the summertime with uh, with him and met Terrence, who's currently right now one of my best friends in the world. And um, so it was easy to make that decision to go play at Arizona State because, one, I wanted to play with my brother, and, two, uh, met a lot of the guys and got a chance to play out there. So I was very comfortable with uh, being in Arizona, sure. at Arizona State, I mean. So you get to Arizona State, and you're a junior at this point. You're immediately making a big impact, playing almost 28 minutes a night. You're second in scoring behind Alex. How's it feel after that first year with the Sun Devils? Um, I feel good. I thought it was a great experience. Um, it was, uh, you know, I think I, I got the chance to travel, too, with the all because I made the uh, – the uh, all pack all pack ten team, mm-hmm. 
So we got to travel to uh, Germany that, that summer. So I got to play with a lot of the guys in the league and, and that was in our conference. And um, so I, I thought the year was great um, and and uh, felt that the following year, um, Frieder had made a, uh, a really nice um, uh, recruiting uh, class come in with Fontana and Headache and yeah. Uh, Collins and uh, uh, so we 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 when he did that I think it just uh, you know elevated everyone's game. I know that have Terrence come back was yeah, good too. Absolutely. So I know this is all kind of new to you. You're, this is your first year in playing major division one basketball, but you did produce. Was there any consideration at all to leaving for the NBA? Oh no, no, I <laughs> I, I, I didn't think I was even that that type of player, um, you know, even though I made the impact, it wasn't like it was that type of, uh, um, buzz about me, mm-hmm. you know, when the buzz came for me when I was a late entry into the, um, uh, uh, into the, uh, pre-draft, uh, uh, camp. Sure. I was a last late entry into the pre-draft camp in Chicago. They had called me at the last minute and said, when can you get here? I was like, whenever, <laughs> and went out there and uh, actually really produced in that tournament, in that uh, camp, in the pre-draft, which got myself to really get looked at. So, Absolutely. What was that last year as a senior like for you? You know, Alex was gone. It was kind of your team at that point. I think you averaged uh, 16 and almost 9. The team was 20 and 10. How how was that year for you? I th- I thought it was great. You know, we had a nice gel of team, uh, you know, balance. Uh, Terrence was there. That he came off of his knee injury, mm-hmm. so I, I thought we 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 had still the veteran look, but we had a young ca- uh, cast that really helped us, and uh, it was a fun year. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that you know we played well. Um, we should have won the uh, the uh, the game against uh, Arkansas. We should have beat them, and uh, I just think that you know headache as a young player just didn't understand at the end how to control the game. And Frieder wasn't that you know he was more of an up up and down coach. So if we if we uh, you know looking back on it, if we would have uh, took our time and patience down the stretch, I, I think we would have won that game. We should have won the game. So, all right, college is over, and you alluded to the pre-draft process a little bit, getting the late invite. What was that whole process like for you? But, you know, let's let's jump after the camp. What are What's that workout process like? Well, you got to remember, in the tournament, I hurt my knee. So, right. uh, you know, I was down for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, after the, after the game, after the loss, uh, had to, um, get my knee together and I, and didn't know that I needed surgery, but, you know, kind of just worked out and, uh, was around school. And then all of a sudden I get this call saying, when, when can I come out? I think mm-hmm. it was Marty Blake at the time called me and okay. said, Hey, where can you get out to Chicago? And um, I said, anytime. He said, okay, here's a ticket. Grabbed my stuff and went out there. And, you know, the next day I was was in the camp. Um, What's that like? You, you know, get a call from a legend like Marty Blake. 
Um, I, I just I thought it was a, a, a fantastic. Uh, you know, I was in awe. You know, the the opportunity to to have a chance to play with some of the best guys in uh, in college basketball and you know and getting a chance to to uh, further my career. I, I thought it was uh, great at the time, but it's still at 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 that point I was still green as a you know young player trying to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, body wasn't really right, uh, had the knee uh, situation, but I, I actually played really good in that uh, in that camp, and then that got me um, some invites to, like, uh, Charlotte at the time with, um, with uh, Larry Johnson because uh, they were talking to taking uh, Larry at one, yeah. me at the two uh, to be their second-round pick. So I went, went out there, had a great workout for them. Uh, I, I dealt with a guy named um, um, Mark Ponce. Worked out with him uh, to, to, you know, just work on my shot, get my 15 footer where it was just like, you know, pretty much as they say, water <laughs> splashing, <laughs> and uh, you know that that th- those workouts, those individual workouts, were actually really good for me. That that really helped me. So we're heading into the draft, that 91 draft. What is your expectation going in? Where do you think you're going to be selected? Well, I thought I was actually going to Charlotte okay, as their second-round pick. Uh, but uh, when they um, they passed on me, I forgot who they picked that year. <clears throat> I know it was Larry was their number one pick, and in the second-round pick, they were that was Kevin Lynch. going to use it. Yeah, they ended up taking Kevin Lynch. That's right. And, uh, and I dropped down to the jazz, uh, never worked out for them. It's funny how often uh, that happens. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they, uh, looked at tape and, uh, you know, Jerry called me, I was at home. I didn't want to go to the draft situation. Didn't want to be up there. I just stayed home with my mm-hmm. parents. We had like a little party at the house and all of a sudden I get this call and it was you know, Jerry Sloan on the line and saying we we took you uh as a forty eighth pick and um you know, we look forward to getting you down into Utah and uh and uh moving things forward for you. So how much experience did you have with Utah prior to that? Uh none. We didn't <laughs> I didn't get a chance to like do a workout with them. Um so it was it was little uh, different. I worked out for Phoenix. I worked mm. out for Charlotte. I worked out for the Lakers. Um, but I didn't get to work out for the Jazz. But I think the Jazz, uh, they were scouting down at the um, at the uh, at the uh, tournament at the, at the uh, draft at the yeah. uh, draft camp because I did see some of the scouts and stuff like that. Isaac, we're going to pause right there for just one second, and we will be right back to the show. Hey guys, Chris here, and buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to do it, with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or you need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I've ever found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere doing anything, and with just a few clicks on my phone, I can instantly find great seats. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to the Warriors this weekend. Clay Thompson's back, Kevin Durant's back, and I wanted to get out there to Oracle to watch the guys play. As soon as I decided to go, my next move was to open up the SeatGeek app on my phone and buy a pair of great tickets at an incredible price. SeatGeek is designed to make the ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with complete confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on any type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, and this is spectacular, guys, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code TAILS today. That's promo code TAILS for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's T-A-L-E-S for $20 off. There's nothing better than seeing live sports, and there's no easier way to get tickets than by using SeatGeek. Use that promo code TAILS, guys, and save some money on what's sure to be an amazing experience. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, so for a California kid, how much of a culture shock is moving to Utah? Oh, it's totally different, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you move into where it's a uh, dominant Mormon. Yeah. Um, different laws. Uh, you know, you couldn't just like walk in a bar. You had to be a member, you know, all these different things that were going on. But, you know, it was a good adjustment. Uh, you know, I was raised a certain way to just, you know, adjust. We made those adjustments. It was good that I had guys like uh, John and Carl Malone. Yeah. Uh, Thorough Bailey, you know, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Malone and uh, Delaney Rudd was there, uh, you know, and so Eric Murdoch was the first round pick. I was the uh, second round pick. And then we had picked up uh, Benoit and uh, Corey Crowder. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Yeah. You mentioned Malone and Stockton, two of basketball's all time legends. What is it like for the first time when you walk into that building knowing that these are your teammates now? Uh, well, I remember um, I was doing a uh, an, an, uh, a workout, right? I had, well, you got to remember when I first got there, they was the one that did the surgery on my knee. Yeah. On my knee. So uh, I had did a surgery, so I was out for a while. Then I came back, uh, but I remember when they had me come out and I, you know, did the physical and I had a workout and Carl comes in the, in the uh, gym and uh, in the locker room. And I was sitting down at the, at the, um, at the locker room and I was just taking off my shoes and he was mm-hmm. like, Hey, Hey boy, uh, what size <laughs> shoes you wear? I was like, you know, 18. And he was like, well, I'm gonna get you, uh, some of them, uh, LA gears. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. He gave me some L.A. gears. It was cool. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, man, you still wearing, you still rocking a Jerry coat? You know, like I used to joke. You know, yeah. I was a jokester. I was a teen, so I was like, you know, you still wearing the Jerry curls? So I used to go at Carl 
and and you know, and then all of a sudden he like made me his. I was his rookie, so I used to have to carry his bags. Yeah, you know, do all that stuff. But it was uh, it was a good experience. John was a, a different breed than than Carl. You know, John didn't do too much mingling, and he was just really serious. But you know, fantastic players showed up, uh, did everything, uh, learned a lot from him. Yeah, you hear the John Stockton stories, and you just can't you can't wrap your head around the fact that this is the same guy who was as good as he was when you know you hear the stories that he wouldn't even like he lived in an apartment for his first couple of years in the league. He wouldn't even spend any money because he wasn't sure he was going to make it. Man, that is. Let me ask you, if John Stockton comes along right now, does he have the same career? Uh, with the, with the, I, I think so. John, John was the type of guy that really worked at it. I mean, he was, he was really good at what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he really knew the pick and roll and see the court. That was his advantages. He developed his shot a lot better as he went on through his career. But as for, understanding the pick and roll game with him and Carl and making the correct passes. He was very good at that. What was very Malone? Good. What was Malone like in practice? Oh, uh, he was a beast. I mean, he, he worked, you know, them two were like, you know, like they're still was trying to, to, to get a job. It yeah. wasn't like they were the superstars. Those guys put in the work, to do what they did. That's why they have the numbers that they have in the league and where they end up in the, uh, as a, you know, legend, they, they, they deserve that because they put in that type of work. Yeah. That was kind of my next question for you is when you have guys like that, who are giving a hundred percent all of the time, kind of in that Kobe Bryant mold, how much of an influence does that have on the rest of the team? Well, I know for myself, it was very motivating. You know, I, I worked out with Carl, so he, he took me to his ranch. Uh, we worked out in the summer, um, and he did everything I did. So it wasn't like he was ordering me to do something and he wasn't even doing it. Right. You know what I mean? He was doing it along with me. And, you know, that kind of gave me that work ethic and, and to be able to take on after, you know, after I got released by them. So, you know, I had to fend for myself and try to make it. And, you know, I had that stumble in between before jumping in, you know, jumping on with the, with the heat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I commend them for what they have done in the league, but also, um, really appreciate the things that they did for me as for, as a young player coming in the league. And, and, and that's what's tough now. You know, a lot of the players are young. They don't have the veteran right. leadership on the bench that been there that that can teach some of the young guys. And, you know, I, I think that's what the league is missing mm-hmm. on the benches as coaches. Even as coaches, they need to have more retired players as coaches yeah. to groom some of the young guys because we're losing – the ability because of AAU and 
uh, college basketball is just not at that level. So our talent is being, um, you know, that's why so many more European players are playing in the league because, one, they speed the game up, they want shooters, mm-hmm. and they're more fundamental than the players that are coming out now right. that we're producing. You mentioned AAU basketball just now and a little bit earlier. Is AAU basketball good for a player's development or bad for a player's development? Bad. Mm. It's bad. Because it's not, it's not, they're not teaching. Right. They're getting all these kids, they're throwing them on teams, giving them shoes and jerseys and stuff, and throwing out a ball and saying, okay, our team is better than your team because of our talent. There's not a, a thing where they're teaching these kids the fundamentals, which is what you need to succeed when you get in the league. Because you got to remember, every tw- there's 12 players on a on a team, so mm. every one of them players can can give you 20 at any time. Right. What's the solution for that? You know, there's been a lot of talk about whether the NBA should go back to allowing high school players to enter the draft. And, you know, some people have even mentioned, I believe our former president, Barack Obama, even mentioned that maybe there should be some type of junior league you know, run by the NBA. Is there a solution to this that makes sense for everyone? Because I don't think it's LeVar Ball's uh, league. <laughs> no, I, I think I think uh, I think uh, there should be an in-between like, you know, I think that they should allow players to make a decision on they should raise the the uh pay in the D League yeah and use the D League as a league and expand it right I agree completely and now you give cuz you can take college courses online you can still get your degree online I went back and got my degree what 3 years ago congratulations I went back and got my degree online yeah. So you can get your degree online. You can get your studies, but the talent needs they they need to have a league where we're developing these kids because coming into the league, you it's going to be better for the league right. because I think right now I'm thinking down the line the league is going to merge and I I believe that this should happen. And I believe that the league is thinking this way, but it should be a merge of Euro League hmm. and the NBA. And what do because you mean, there's just plen- the two coming together completely, or the NBA sort of? Yeah, 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 yeah. So now we're we're playing games over in Europe against the Europe teams. The Europe teams are coming here. Now the basketball is expanded, kind of like uh, how uh, how how uh, soccer, yeah, slash football is. You know, it's an international sport. It's they're playing all over. You, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? I think the Euro League and the NBA, the NBA should adapt that league because they have the planes to get there uh, in one shot. You can go there, play, and because Europe is so close, mm-hmm. you can play. You know, four or five games over there. Right. And then come back and, and vice versa. I think the teams come here and play, and that's going to really open up the market. So uh, they need to have – because that's what they have in Europe. You know, U14, 15, 
you're playing in a league, you're getting to develop. Even though they're only playing maximum two games a week. Yeah. But those kids are getting those 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 reps. They're they're playing against um you know, higher level players. College, you know, they're not paying kids. They need to start paying kids because they, they're saying the education is what it is. Yeah. But like I said, if you come with a league where you're developing these kids and, and teaching them something, and then that gives a lot of these retired players now jobs to use some of their experience for these kids mm-hmm. to teach them because they, they're not going to learn just from, you know, Joe Blow out there just because he's a friend. Oh, I, I hired him because of that. You know what I mean? Or because everybody's thinking analytic. Yeah. It's not about analytic. You know, everybody thinking it is about analytic numbers. It has some choice, but at the end of the day, it's about being efficient and putting the ball in the hole and playing I, some defense. I agree with you completely. I am, I'm a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm out here in California now, but you know, 76ers fan forever. And we, you know, a couple of years ago, we brought out the ghost of Elton brand just to, be an adult on this team. And this year we paid $23 million for JJ Reddick to come be an adult for this team. Yeah. You, you gotta have those guys that have been closer to that, uh, that 90 era mm-hmm. because to me, the nineties was the years of the players and the league because LeBron good as he is playing if he was to play in the 90s he would just be another player ooh um, another player just i don't know about another player i agree that he wouldn't be the player he is but i don't know about another player no i mean he he would be a superstar but just imagine him okay he would be having to guard of oakley He'd have to be guarding, Carl you know Malone. what I'm saying? A, a, a Van Baker, a Carl Malone. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I hear you. Talented, there's oh. some talented players that was just, just his size, mm-hmm. just as tall, and that, you know, could do some of the stuff. You know, they can't do all the stuff that LeBron could do. LeBron is a special player. But I'm saying that the 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 talent has weakened it's it's not as it's not as the talent has weakened and the game, that's why they changed the game and went to more of an up tempo shooting more threes mm-hmm. la 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 because they didn't <laughs> have they don't have you know they 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 just eliminated a center yeah there is no center in the league now well, Isaac, if I can if I can uh, get a feel for what you're talking about here, I'm going to say that you're not a fan of players like the seven foot two Joel Embiid taking five threes a game. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. You know, yeah. I, I mean, you got to use the post game. Yeah. You, I, I don't. You know, you, that is a significant piece of the game. And they're like elevating that part of the game and just thinking it's all about shooting. 
Right. Well, the other argument is if LeBron James comes along 20 years earlier and he's playing in those, you know, Magic, Michael, Larry Bird days, is he allowed to be LeBron James at that point? Or is he, you know, is he going to have to be more of a post player, more of a Carl Malone type? That's what I'm saying. He would have been, he would have been, he'd have been, he wouldn't be the first option. Right. Let's right. say that he'd probably be the, you know, cause at that time it was first option, second option and the third. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. my team with, with the heat, we had Tim Hardaway at the point, Zoe in the post. And then you had like a Jamal Mashburn type player. So it was like Zoe first, Tim, then Mashburn. So, you know, you look at Mashburn and a, uh, LeBron James, both 6'9", both can put it on the floor. One had a better shot than the other one. The other mm-hmm. one was more athletic than the other. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. And I mean, if let's stay with Carl Malone. LeBron James is basically a carbon copy physically of Carl Malone. Yeah, but with uh, with with a handle. Well, sure, sure, but it's a matter of yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Where players, you know, the I think I think players like uh, I guess like an Anthony Mason were very rare at that point where they actually got the opportunity to handle the basketball. Yeah, yeah, but my thing is, is LeBron the pick and roll type person? Mm-hmm. Because he's got okay. Listen, you don't you don't look at stuff like this, but I do. I'm with LeBron you. LeBron got duck feet. Uh-huh. LeBron got duck feet. So this okay. is why he's more of a one, one-legged one jumper than two. You see what I'm saying? I see. So his balance, his balance is a little bit off as, as when he's around in the post game. Okay. His, his foot, because he got duck feet, his balance is not as good as it should be. And another person... I, as footwork wise in the post, comparing to is Zoe. Zoe was the same way. Hmm. He had duck feet. He could. He always turned left shoulder. Didn't. Ne- he never wanted to turn over his uh, over his uh, right shoulder. Right. Zoe, if you look at his tape, look at him play. Majority of his shots was coming over the left shoulder. He would. Literally in the playoffs when we played Chicago, that's way uh, that's how uh, Rodman was guarding him, right. and he could not score because he was leaning on that to not allow him to turn his left shoulder. He made him turn on his right shoulder, and then threw his balance off on his shot. That's interesting. So that's interesting. So when it, when I look at LeBron, yeah. LeBron is good open court, uh, putting it on the deck, doing stuff. But as a post player, it's still to this day he doesn't get, he 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 don't have it like a yeah. Kobe. You see that what I'm saying? Sense. That makes sense. Then the post game is completely lost in the NBA today. Yeah, but I'm just what I'm saying is if he had if he allowed that to really develop his game, right? LeBron would be that that would just that would take him over the top, I think. Because now he'll 
truly be able to control a game. Fair enough. Especially in the playoffs and down the stretch. He can control the game by that because he's going to draw. He's too good of a passer. You know what I mean? I get you. But you notice in the games, they're not, they're not putting him really on that block. Well, how much of that is because that's his team and he doesn't want to? I, I think that has a lot to do with it. But for him to make, a, make it over that hump, He's going to have to decide. I mean, especially how many more years is he going to play? Because uh, you only can go so much of all that hot flying and doing all that other stuff. You're right. Eventually. <laughs> eventually I know you're right. 100% right. 100% right. Yeah, eventually you're going to have to go to that game. That's what it happened to all of them. Happened to Bird. Happened to uh, uh, Magic. Kobe. Happened to Kobe. It happened to Jordan. Jordan developed his post game and took his game to another level. That's what sustained him and allowed him to take over games Yeah, do, down do the stretch. Do you think there's any chance that that's something LeBron adds as he moves forward? Because, you know, he is getting older. I do think he wants to play with – I think he would really like to play with his kid. So I think he, sta- I think he, he intends to stay around for as long as he's going to be welcome uh, you know, we saw today that his final four for free agency was the uh, the Cavs, the Rockets, the Lakers, and the 76ers. I don't think he, you know, I think he's got five more years left. Is there a chance that he sort of ages into that power forward position gracefully? I think he should, especially the way the game is now. I agree. I agree. I, because I worry. the power forward – the power forward game is really a three. Yeah. Playing power forward and a power forward playing center. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There are, you see what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I talk about growing up on those NBA on NBC triple headers and watching, you know, Michael and Magic and Larry and the Knicks and Isaiah and the Pistons and all of those guys. And so much of that basketball is gone now. So many of those players who who I loved so much, that brand of basketball that I loved so much growing up, is just completely gone. You know, there's no place for a Dale Davis, an Antonio Davis, a Charles Oakley, even a Rodman at this point. Those guys just couldn't play in today's NBA. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's more up tempo. Um... Uh, and th- those guys didn't really have – well, Oakley had a 15-footer, so he could pick and pop with what they need. But, you know, Rodman was a rebounder. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was his force. Um, could he play in the league today? I think he could. I mean, Rodman was a beast on the rebound. He is very hard to – uh, keep from getting the board. He was really good at knowing how the ball was going to come off of the basket mm-hmm. when it was shot. Right. But do you do you think that there's so much focus on everyone on the court being able to spread the court that that significantly works against him? Yeah, it, it does. It does. But he was quick enough to get out there. I mean, he was quick enough uh, in his uh, a day to to get out there and, 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 and guard a, you know, could basically what you're saying is can guard, can he guard a, uh, a, a three? 
Right. Because that's what he would be guarding right now. Right. He'd be guarding a uh, a, uh, a Green or a uh, Thomas from the Warriors or uh, right. Thompson, I mean. Or, yeah. uh, do you know what I mean? You yeah, see what I'm saying? That is different than what he was asked to do. Correct. A totally <laughs> different uh, a different model, which which now would would bother him. His his rebounding would probably go down because there's a lot more uh, longer shots, right? Longer rebounds because of the shot shot ranges that they're doing now. And shit, what are they doing now? They're averaging uh, what is it? The top team is averaging what thirty or forty threes a game or something yeah, like that. The Rockets. They're yeah. a chance to be the first team to ever take more threes than twos in a season. That's that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I, it, just, it doesn't seem like you're a fan of the analytical perspective. I think it's cool. <laughs> I, I think it's cool. I mean, yeah. no, you, you need to get those shots sure. because that's what they, they have. But I think a lot of it uh, – that's probably why they never get over the hump when it comes to the playoffs because the game slows down when it gets to the playoffs. That's true. So That's during true. the season, it's great. But when you get in the playoffs, you need to have something to go to. And they don't have a go-to. They have, we're going to just keep shooting threes. Forget they don't have a go-to. They don't even have a half-court offense. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're just setting pick and rolls and shooting threes. Uh, here, let me so, ask you this. Six, I'm a Sixers fan, and there's been a lot of talk, as I've mentioned time and time again, a lot of talk about Jalil Okafor. If Jalil Okafor played 15 years ago, does the defense matter less and the post play matter more? Is he a better player than he is today? Oh, yeah, I think so. Or is lazy just lazy? Sometimes lazy just lazy. <laughs> no, that was just like... Uh... That was just like uh, he reminds me of uh, God. Who's the guy? Eddie Curry. Okay. Uh, wow, that's not a great comparison for Okafor. He cannot be happy with that. Let's hope he does not hear this. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some guys, they got it. They came in the league, and they just that 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 was it. Oh, like satisfied. I made it. Right. Right. Well, this has taken a very you know, str strange turn. I've enjoyed or, this conversation so far. We, we've talked absolutely but, nothing about you, and those tend to be the best shows. So this is—I'm very happy with how this is going. Uh, but I do—I do want to turn things back to you because I want to get through this career, and we're going to start to truncate things a little bit. Let's uh, let's get out of your time in Utah here. You spend two years there, uh, sort of never really find a place in the rotation for a very good team, probably the best team that you played on. Uh, during your career, 2.8 and 1.7 that second season. Um, you know, how frustrated were you when you found out that the Jazz were going to waive you in November of '93? Um, I was I was uh, highly upset. They mm -hmm. they traded Thurl Bailey for uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, what was the big? They came over from Minnesota. Um, and then they had drafted Luther Wright. Yeah. And my actual numbers per minute was better than theirs during the, uh, during the, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, preseason. 
Yeah. You know what the, the per 48, yeah. Isaac? It's an analytical stat. I know that. <laughs> That's why I said sometimes <laughs> it's, it's, it's good for certain things. <laughs> for sure. I, you know, I use that a lot when I was in, um, when I was playing in, uh, in Miami. Yeah. We use that a lot, but we looked at, um, um, but yeah, it was more, um, uh, yeah, I was upset. I knew it was going to happen. Um, and Carl was in denial a little bit, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I think it was the best thing that happened to me because, um, you know, when I did, I, I tried, you know, we had Mike Brown was there. Still Mark Eaton was there. Yeah. I was like, uh, you know, three, three, four down the line. Uh, I think it was uh, a good move for me because it was, uh, I, w- I don't think I go through the experiences and things that I did of getting cut, going out to Cleveland, getting mm-hmm. cut again, you know, and then getting a shot with a call up to uh, Philly. You know what I mean? Interesting. The, those, the, all the different experiences and obstacles that you go through in the game, you get a chance to learn. And I think my experience, what changed my whole career, was when I got cut in Cleveland and didn't even touch the floor. Yeah, I did I went not to even know Co- you were in Cleveland. Yeah, I went to Cleveland camp and went through the physical – and after the physical, they called my room um, and said, Mr. Austin, you are 440 pounds, you have bad knees, and uh, we just cannot take the chance. Yeah. Where would you like to go? And they sent me back to Phoenix, and I met a guy named Matt Newton, and from that point forward, that changed my whole outlook as for a player thinking and preparing myself to play, I used the stuff that I learned from Carl, learned from uh, Mac, and, uh, you know, I, I got that chance to play in the summer league. Um, and uh, and then that's when Miami invited me out to uh, play in their uh, mini camps. I went mm-hmm. to – it was like 150 guys that went through there and, um, shoot, ended up two guys making <laughs> the roster was me and Tony Farmer. Okay. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, kind of the start. And then all of a sudden kept the work ethic going and, uh, made most improve. So you did, you did. We're jumping ahead a little bit though. I want to talk about this. Time yeah, in Philadelphia. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. you're, it's, I'm it's, sorry. I, I appreciate yeah. the storytelling. Uh, but we're, I want to talk about this time in Philly. You signed a 10 day. And then you end up signing for the rest of the season. This Sixers team, not a very strong team at that point, but you did get the opportunity to play a little bit more and you produced when you were called upon. What was that year in Philly like for you? I thought it was good. You know, got a chance to play with Moses Malone before Mm -hmm. he retired. Um, Learned some stuff from him. Uh, Sean Bradley was there. Um, uh, What was that? Weatherspoon. Clarence. Jeff Hornacek? Yeah. Uh, no, Jeff wasn't there. Jeff oh, Malone was he traded was there. for Jeff Malone Remember at they, that point? Yeah, right. he was traded for Jeff Malone. So Jeff Malone was there. 
Um, Iverson. Yeah, I. I don't think Iverson no, was there. Yet. No, no, he wasn't there yet. No, no. Manute was he there. He wasn't there yet. Manute. Um, yeah, we we were. Uh, it was different. Um, Orlando Warridge. Mm-hmm. Big O. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was different, but it was good uh, an experience for me just because of, you know, Jeff was there, so I knew Jeff from uh, Utah, mm-hmm. and so we were we were hanging a lot, hanging out a lot, just to you know, to get around. But you know, the city was great. You know, I got a chance to play, uh, and um, you know, it was another, I guess, experience or a stepping stone for me. Right. And uh and then they I think they they uh didn't want me to come back after and I think I went overseas after that. You did. You went over I believe that first season you played in France with CRO Lyon. So that yeah. was that was basically NBA opportunities weren't there. I'm gonna go play overseas, I'm gonna get a, a chance to play a lot and start to figure stuff out. Pretty much. You know, it was more of getting reps. Uh, you know, you need that. Yeah. Um, they don't have that, you know, now for a lot of players. But, yeah, it was going overseas. We're going to be able to get the reps and get the minutes. And uh, I think by taking that route and, and experiencing that, you know, that, that took my confidence. It allowed your confidence to be even better. Mm-hmm. And then – you know, after that, I started, uh, I think I went to Boston's, uh, summer league Yeah. with Boston. Well, so after France, that ne- the next time you play, you play in Turkey with a oh man, I'm, I'm going to butcher this Tuborg Pilsner Pilsner. I don't know. How yeah, would you, yeah, how would you say it. that? Yeah, it was too bold. Too yeah. bold. Okay. So, but yeah, Turkey's, a, Turkey's where stuff really comes together for you. 22-3 and 13-9 a game. It seems like you're a different player at this point. You found your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I went to that team. Um, you know, Shackerford was over there and um, okay. Uker was the team. Uh, I played with a guy. Uh, gosh. Um, he was a... He he was a top guard in uh in the French league. Uh Scooter Henry. Okay. Out of Dallas. And uh, you know, I thought it was a great experience. We had a chance to um <clears throat> we did a lot for that team. We kept the team up, the leveled up. Um and you know, they did stop playing me one time, so I had went home. Yeah. And then I had came back um, because they were willing to pay me the rest of my money. Right. But yeah, it was uh, it was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. That's the. You hear horror was, stories uh, about people not getting paid internationally. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I had told them literally, you guys would bring my money in a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was all reported to the government. But from Turkey, yeah, yeah, it was. I, I, I believe you. And I, anyway, I think the statute of limitations is probably up at this point. 
Uh, but <laughs> we don't want to anger the IRS in any situation, so we're all good there. Uh, from there, this is what we've been talking about. We get back to the NBA. We get you into Miami. What made you sign with the Heat? Uh, I felt that it was an opportunity. Uh, I looked at Zoe's uh, history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lonzo get hurt a lot uh, during his career. He would miss at least 20 games. Um, so I felt that it was a good spot for me. Um, they saw me play in the uh, Boston League that year, and then they also saw me when I came back and – they saw me in uh, Utah. I didn't play in the Utah Summer League that year, but they saw me there, and that's when they invited me out to the mm-hmm. mini camps. And um, I went to their mini camps, and I I just remember, like, my first one there uh, was getting done, and Pat Riley walks in the locker room and says, hey, son, you have a lot of talent but you're going to have to lose 10, 15 pounds, I think it was. He said, use 15 pounds yeah. before you come back to the second mini camp. Okay. So I went back to Phoenix, worked out with a guy named Mac Newton, dropped the weight, came back, played well. My son got sick, so I had to leave early. He was cool with that. And then they, then they, they called me and said, hey, we'll pay you per diem. Why don't you just come out and just work out? So I didn't even have no contract. I just said, man, it's an opportunity. So I came to Miami. That's when uh, Kurt Thomas, uh, we was working out with Kurt Thomas, and uh, we were all working out together, going to the gym, doing the workout, and then I was doing the extra stuff on the bike and all that stuff and just dropping the weight. And then all of a sudden, Lonzo and, and Tim and everybody started P.J. Brown. Uh, they all started coming in early. We started playing. And, you know, when I started playing, when Zoe came in, it was uh, it was a different story. So then it was right. like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, I can get some minutes here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And things, That's how I was thinking. Things worked out. That 96-97 season, completely different than any season you'd had in the NBA prior. You play in all 82 games, you start 17, you win most improved player. What are you feeling after that year? Was it, was it relief? Was it satisfaction? Was it, you know, like finally I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, you know, I put in the work. Um, I, I think I, uh, I overcame at that time. I it overcame the hospital the obstacle of being labeled as an overweight player, you know, mm-hmm. that was the big deal. And that's, tough. Uh, you know, that came from the jazz yeah. and it just followed wherever I went. So every, every team was looking at, okay, are you 270? Are you 12% body fat? You know, all this stuff. Right. So to be able to overcome that, and the summer that I put in that summer and then turn around and this was to happen for me. Plus we were on a winning team. I mean, it was just, uh, it was just, uh, you know, icing on the cake. It was fantastic. Yeah. That next season you're playing well, you're averaging double figures, you're starting more often than not. And then you're traded uh, along with Charles Smith and a first round pick to the Clippers for Brent Barry. What was that like for you? 
Uh, it was the worst experience of my life. Uh, Pat was adamant. Uh, you know, it was a point where every day, you know, asking me what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? No, it was just, that was literally the language that was said. Like, I'm not going to be left at the altar. Are you talking about you gonna, in terms of re-signing or what? Uh, yeah, re-signing, taking okay. a deal. And I was like, you know, uh, you know, I'm saying to myself, yeah, I'm, I'm here. You know, am I here? This is what I was, you know, we talk about winning the championship. You know, yeah. I, I, I thought I was going to be a heat until, uh, until they, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Until uh, you know, till till the end of my career. Yeah. So you're and, saying this uh, was kind of a spite thing from Riley because you weren't willing to commit long term. Well, he was saying the problem was was like at that time I became what uh, one of the hottest. Uh, um, sure, you were one of the big time uh, free, agent. free agents. Yeah, the free agent behind uh, Scottie Pippen that year. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't know none of the rules and stuff. He knew it, they could that, at that time they only could offer me, I think it was like one or two years or something like that. They could have yeah. asked me like an exemption or something. It's like thirty three, and then they could have then signed me for a longer deal. And I probably I would have took that deal to stay well, Isaac, there and to Isaac. The other play thing with, I'm so sorry and play with. No, I, I, I'm saying just I would have I would have rather stayed there and play. And you know the thing that really bothered me was that there were so many teams that wanted me, mm-hmm. and Riley, you know, waited until the last minute on the on the wire to trade me. Right. So he didn't even give me an opportunity to go to any other teams because like New York was wanting me, right? And he didn't want to see that. Of course not. And he, yeah. So he, he, he wanted to, uh, he wanted, he waited till last minute and, you know, I knew it. I knew it the day I had to woke up and I told the guy, told PJ, I was like, man, I'm getting traded today. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. were like, no, I know you're not. And all of a sudden I was. So you mentioned. And you he were didn't about... allow me to go to the game. Oh, wow. I couldn't go to the game. Wow. Yeah. I had to stay in the hotel. <laughs> Um, no, 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 bullshit. No, I believe you. What I think <laughs> maybe it's it's silly to ask this question, but what kind of relationship, if any, do you have with Pat Riley at this point? I have a great relationship. I mean, Pat Riley taught me a lot. Uh huh. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Pat Riley's a businessman. Sure. I can't. You know, he he was he was building a team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I can't I can't you know knock him for that. But at the same time, you know, it, it turned around for him. It hurt him those two years when I left because mm-hmm. they didn't play Brent. Right. Zoe got kicked out. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? And they didn't have no replacement. Right. And they lost. And they lost. You talk about... And then I... You talk yeah, about you're ahead. about to be a free agent, and I think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that the lockout was about to happen. Did the lockout play any part in your unwillingness to sign a new deal since you don't know what the CBA is going to look like when, when you get back next season? No. 
that wasn't that had nothing to do with it. Okay. You got to understand, I was green to this. Uh, you know, I yeah. was on a contract where I was making three hundred thousand oh. with the Heat. Yeah. And scoring so, fifteen points a game. Exactly. So I didn't know nothing about multi-million dollar contracts, yada, yada, yada. I was happy to be playing and playing on a good team. Right. And I would have been satisfied with that decision. But I got traded, and then I went to a team. The difference between the Clippers and the Miami Heat was like, you know, you're going to Roof Chris, and then all <laughs> of a sudden you drop down and you're at, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're at Denny's. Yeah, just – yeah, you had a Denny's. It's like, wow, really? Like, yeah, I don't care. Moon, you get know? the moon over my yeah. hammy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 26 games in Los Angeles before you know free agency. And then, like I said, the lockout happens. You end up signing with the Magic in January of 99. You have a strong year in Orlando. Uh, you know, you started all 49 games you played in, averaged 13 points a night. How was that season with the Magic? I, the lockout killed me. Why is that? I, I didn't get a chance to really work out. Mm-hmm. I had it just really threw me off. Um, so when I went into Orlando, I wasn't in the shape that I would have been in. Uh, you know, because we were used to going in early. Right. You know, all that stuff that was sure. we didn't have no gyms. Uh, you know, that's when uh, Kenny Smith was putting together games and stuff in Houston, mm-hmm. type things like that. Um, but it wasn't um, wasn't like a really re- a regular routine. And then going into Orlando with, you know, being coached by Chuck Daly, which was a totally different, you know, he right. was more liking wanting me to be a Lambert-type player with, with more pick and pop than – than post up, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So, but it was it was a great year. I mean, I, I should we beat the Heat? And, you know what I mean? It was <laughs> it was good. Uh, you beat the Heat, so that that makes the season in its own. Uh, that off season, the Magic trade you to Washington for. I'll tell you what, you get traded the next couple of summers, and you get traded for some big packages. Uh, that that summer, you get traded to Washington for Terry Davis, Tim Legler, Jeff McGinnis, and Ben Wallace. How'd you take the news of the trade to the Wizards? Uh, I or wasn't the Bullets, happy. I, guess, I remember. I, I remember. Were they the Bullets? Rivers, were they the Wizards? Yeah, we were the. Uh, yeah, they were the. Uh, were the uh, Wizards. Okay. Wizards. They just had changed the name. Gotcha. Wizards from Bullets. We were the Bullets, and then Wizards. Yeah. Sure. But. Um, no, I, I just remember going to dinner with the GM. I forgot his name in, uh, Rivers because Rivers was the coach. And, you know, I felt that, you know, they wasn't giving me the looks and stuff that I wanted. I did want to get traded. I was cool with getting traded, but I didn't think they would trade me to the wizards. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like, it's bogus. It's like, Man, you know, you ask to get traded, and they trade you to to some garbage. Right. Well, isn't that the, the isn't that the thing? Isn't that how the NBA used to work? You know, if you ask to get traded, sure, we'll trade you. We're going to trade you to the worst team we can possibly find. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then I got there, and then, you know, Jordan had the team, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, he hired uh, Daryl Walker as a coach. It, just, right. it was just bad. It was just really bad. How much was Jordan around? Uh, he wasn't around that much. Um, but it was, uh, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't right. It wasn't the Utah Jazz. It wasn't, a, it wasn't, no, it wasn't an a, incredible organization or the Heat. No, no, it wasn't that, that type of party. Right. No, Rick, I didn't, you know, Hamilton was a rookie. Yeah. Uh, at the time, you know what I'm saying? So it was real different. So that next summer, as I alluded to, you get traded again, uh, this time to the Vancouver Grizzlies for Abina Kizi, Felipe Lopez, Cherokee Parks, and Dennis Scott. What are you thinking after you find out you're, you've been traded from the Wizards, but you're going to the Grizzlies? Uh, I thought it was cool. Um, you know, they had really good young players, Mike Bibby yeah. sure. uh, and Michael uh Dickerson. Yeah. I think Sharif was there too, right? Yeah, and Sharif was there. Yeah. So and, Vancouver, and then the big country. Yeah, Vancouver is really nice. So it was uh I thought it was good. The owner was uh great. It was a step up to everything. We just didn't match it with the, the if they would have matched with the coaching. Didn't yeah. have the coaching. We had the squad. We just didn't have the coaching. And I think they were I thought just too that young was, at that point. The team was young, but uh, the 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 coaching was green. I yeah. mean, we had we, we didn't have an experienced coach. We had a was young it, coach. Was that Sidney Lowe at that point? Yeah, yeah Sidney, Sidney Lowe, Lowe was just. I was like, come on, man, Sidney Lowe, really. <laughs> And Billy Knight. I mean, exactly. nothing bad against him. Yeah, that's not that's not the best front office. You didn't you didn't do too much better than Washington in terms of that organizational structure. Correct. So, you know, I uh, two summers in a row, you're involved in one for four player deals. I don't know this for a fact, but I can't imagine there's anybody else in the history of the NBA that can claim that. Yeah, I was a valuable player. That tells you I was valuable. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So we do get to that 2001-2002 that season. This is the final stop in the NBA, and uh, after playing 21 games, the Grizzlies make the decision to release you. What's going through your mind at that point? Were you ready to walk away? Were you looking for the next opportunity? What were you thinking? Uh, at the time, we were, th- we were just asking to be released mm-hmm. so that we could um, – you know, again, I get screwed again because they wanted to release me. So we worked out a release, but then they released me late where then I could not get on a, a playoff team. Right. So it was like, you know, what? it defeated the purpose. You know what I mean? I if, I was like, if you guys want to do a workout, let's work something out, get a release in, in enough time to where I can go and get picked up by a playoff team. Right. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play in the playoffs. You know, I wanted to try to win a ring. Absolutely. I mean, you hadn't really been on a team like that since you left Miami. Correct. How Correct. hard? How hard is that? Do you do you sort of 
sense that ticking clock and start to think, you know, oh shit, I better go find a, a really good team to go play for? Yeah, because, you know, at the time, Vancouver, they went young because then, you know, Powell was in there and uh, Strohmeyer, Swift, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they went really young. They used us as to be veterans to try to teach, uh, help out, which I've done. Um, but that's what they were doing, and I knew it. Well, that certainly makes so, sense. What's uh, what's going on with Isaac Austin now? What are you up to? Um, I'm more uh, business. I have a lot of uh, pro- well, I got a couple of projects. One is called uh, Dot Music. It's uh, an ex- uh, one of the uh, GLT uh, extensions with uh, uh, to where we're we're bringing the uh, music community all in one area, kind of like having a Dot Edu like college with restrictions and stuff. Uh, we'll probably be launching here um, probably in the next six months. We're just tying up that deal. I think it's, nice. a, it's a monopoly contract, which is pretty smooth. Um, you know, watching my kids, my, my daughter is playing at uh, Cal State Bakersfield. She's here in town Very in nice. Vegas. They have the uh, WAC uh, tournament, so it's good to see her out there playing. Um, Bas- basketball, volleyball? Yeah. Basketball. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just good to see her. She got newcomer of the year. I mean, newcomer, uh, uh, newcomer team. She made all newcomer team of the conference as a freshman. Congratulations. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, just doing some business stuff. Uh, A lot of stuff in the financing uh, sector. There's a couple of the projects, you know, that I'm going to do here in Vegas. Uh, with uh, a high-rise uh, kind of um, condo minium project that because of the Raiders is coming out here, so trying to capitalize yeah. off of that. And, um, you know, a lot more business stuff, man. Very cool. Internationally. So, I, so let me ask you this. I, I've talked to, you know, I've had the good fortune to talk to a lot of people on this show, and one of the most common things is guys stick around basketball. And just having talked to you for the last hour or so and getting a feel for your understanding of the game and, and, and all of that, how come you never wound up coaching? Um, because, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I knew the D-League was going to expand the way mm-hmm. it did before it even did it. And I went to the ABA League and had my uh, own team in Utah. The Snow Bears, right. Exactly. Handpicked my team. Uh, we ran through that league. But my goal was to be in the D League with that team and, you know, being a, um, a um, development team for, say, the Utah Jazz or mm. uh, the Clippers or something like that. That's what I was looking at. That was my thing. But my problem is this. Um, you know, I look at the league and it's a lot of shuffling going on. As right. for coaches, um, but if I ever got, if a team hired me to coach the team, I would uh, it'd be totally different. I would be coach of the year because what, what separates you? Why? Why do you say that? I like the confidence. I think I, I think it's more about uh, the players. 
I, I yeah. know I know how to and it, remember I I've learned from the best. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I remember I had a Chuck Daly, a Jerry Sloan and a and a Pat Riley. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've learned from the best to pull out certain players and it's all about communication. I don't think the 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 players are younger. So they're going to listen to um the you got to learn how to communicate with the younger players now. And they're not they're not, some coaches are not doing that, so they're not getting the best out of that player because they don't know how to communicate with them. They don't adapt to what they're about. And also, I came from where they came from. Sure. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. But for me, I would have to – it would be tough to be an assistant because there are certain things that I would do that probably some of these other coaches – would not do now don't get me wrong there are some good coaches yeah one is martin jackson okay if i was to right now which i'm I'm putting together a group i think i'm gonna put together a group to get the brooklyn nets is what i'm trying to go after when you say go after what are we talking about ownership okay that's that's because i would build i would build i would build the team from that position i wouldn't build it from from me wanting to coach on the on the thing, I would build from there. I would go and get, say, if I had Brooklyn Nets, my first hire would be Mark Jackson as VP and head coach, and then I would go after uh, Kenny Smith to be my GM. Okay, they're both from Brook, uh, New York. Um, it would just, I think, those two guys would be a good match. You got to remember, Mark is the one that built the Warriors. Right. They just filled in. Uh, uh, um, um, what's his name? Uh, that was just Philly. Huh? Kevin Durant. Adding in Durant afterwards. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about coach wise. Oh, oh, yeah, Steve. Mark. Kerr. Yeah, Mike. Mark Jackson built that team. Right, right, right. You see what I'm saying? And and because of his relationship with the ownership was the problem. See, he wouldn't have that problem with me. He would be able to do the things that he wanted to do there, but he'll be able to do it with these guys. And I think with his background, playing in the league, uh, being a preacher, helping these guys understand, not, you, you know, you got to relate with, with guys these days. Sure. These young guys are a different breed. So you got to be able to relate to them to get them to play the way you want them to play. You see what I'm saying? To get the best. And I think that he has the capability just the way he speaks, his demeanor uh, with him. And then, you know, Kenny Smith, I, you know, I've been around Kenny a lot. I've coached some of his uh, AAU teams. And I think mm. Kenny is a, is a got a niche for talent. He knows talent. Okay. So I think a system, putting in a system uh, with what they're doing, but bringing some of that old school with, the new school, what is going on now, I think it would be a totally different team. About five, six years, it would be a different, a wholly different thing going on in uh, in Brooklyn. If you're – all right, let's play out a scenario where you're the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Mark's your head coach. Kenny's your GM. Is this going to be a throwback to kind of you know the type of basketball that we were talking about in the past, or are we trying to play a modern-day game? 
No, we, we, we play the modern game, but we, we, we utilize all the positions. Mm-hmm. We bring back the post game. We, we got a, we got an up tempo game. We got a slow tempo game. We, we have to, to you got to make the adjustments in the game. You know, you look at the Rockets, they play one speed. They do. Chaotic. So we, we yeah, we want to control the game. We don't need to, you know, you don't need, you, you got to know how to play. And it, and it works better, especially when you get to playoffs, because the game comes tighter, defense gets tighter. But if you play at a certain, you, you got your up-tempo game along with how to control a game. Right. And these kids, you can get, you can still play the up-tempo, you can still get that many threes up, and you can play that, that that game that's gonna you know clinch the win. Mm. That makes sense. That, that makes sense. I want to talk about this uh, this Snow Bears team. I'm reading about this a little bit right now. What happened? You guys were 27 and one, and apparently you know there were issues with the, the league officials, and you guys decide to forfeit the rest of the season. What happened? Well, what happened was was. We were number one at the time, and Arkansas was. Mm-hmm. Arkansas did not want to come to Salt Lake to play us. So the agreement was we're going to break to see who's going to be number one because a lot of the teams were missing games. So there was okay. at the time it was like 50, 60 teams, but like pretty much 10 or 8 teams were making their games. Oh, interesting. You see what I'm saying? So what we said was, okay, let's break the tie. And once we broke the tie, then we would start the playoffs. And whoever won, be, become number one, can host the tournament. Sure. You see what I'm saying? So we right. go we go to Arkansas because they didn't want to come play us at our mm-hmm. spot. Okay. So we go to Arkansas, play them two games. They beat us one t- uh, the first game by, I think, two, and then we beat them the second game by, like, four. Mm-hmm. So we're number one. Okay. So we win. I go and spend the money to get the gyms, advertisements, hotels, yada, 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 and they still have the – they say they make the announcement to have the playoffs in Arkansas. Okay. And so we was like, no, nah, we're not showing up. Right. Talked to all my players. I said, look, I don't think that's that's disrespect. We spent this money. I spent money. So we, we forfeited the lead. Said we don't need it. It's not worth right. it. It's Gotta have right. principles. Exactly. Gotta, gotta have principles. But every right. one of those guys got, got the chance to play overseas, make that's more good. money, and... Um, you know, Clay had dropped. Uh, I mean, Clay, Clay, Clay was uh, one of my uh, two guards. He went to the D League with Arkansas, and he dropped uh, fifty-eight. I think it was like fifty-eight or fifty-four in the league. Okay, okay. So you sort of want you, you were hoping this was going to turn into a D League type situation. You you know, wind up in the D League, and that just didn't play. Yeah, out that and way. then right, and then that that would have kind of posed me for my coaching. Because yeah. then I would have been able to coach in the in the D League. They just saw, and then I would have got with a with a you know with an NBA team. The NBA team would have saw what I was doing, 
and what I was doing with players, and then maybe I got had a chance to to coach that way. I went that was my way of going about doing the route. But you know where I'm at now in my uh, life and career, you know, I'm in the finance part of it, and I got mm-hmm. some 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 really good partners with uh, nice little pockets. So uh, my 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 way to get back in the league would be to uh, go after a team, and we're gonna put it together. We're gonna try oh, to go I, this summer. I w- I wish you the best of luck, sir. Let's. Uh, I've taken up a lot of your time already, so I want to start wrapping this up and want to wrap it up the way we end every single show with a quick game of word association. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a player, and I just want the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this person's name. It doesn't have to be one word, just whatever comes to your mind first. And uh, these will all be former teammates of yours. Let's start with Carl Malone. Um, Beast. John Stockton. Legend. Jeff Malone. Um, he had one of the purest jump shots. Yes, he did. How about Mark Eaton? I called him the big fella. <laughs> different <laughs> different level of player, but an an upcoming guest on the show. How about Stephen Howard? Stephen Howard, great guy. Um loved him. Um and just uh, he was just a really great teammate. I, I thought Steve was a very Howard was a great guy. Seems like a confident man. He, uh, we have a we have a free throw shooting contest on the books. So uh, he he has told me that it's not going to be a contest in in not so nice words. <laughs> <laughs> That's him. <laughs> how about uh, how about Clarence Weatherspoon? Mm, hard worker. Um, was athletic for his size. Hmm. Spoon was kind of um, quiet, though, right? Yeah, very quiet. Spoon was a very quiet kid, but, uh, you know, he he put it down when he needed to. He played hard. I was surprised to see he went into coaching. It didn't, doesn't seem like his personality, but but uh, I hope he's doing well. How about Dana Barrows? Dana. Wow. So I, I can say. I love me yeah. Dana Barrows. How about Sean Bradley, the Storm and Mormon? Wow, Bradley was uh he was different. Um I thought he could have done a lot better. He got really content. Was he a little bit soft? Real soft. How about a man that nobody's ever called soft in his life, Moses Malone? Oh man, uh, probably exactly. Uh, just uh, a phenomenal player, uh, unbelievable talent, and uh, I just uh, I like I, I like being around him his last years. Yeah, yeah. Not a, a very very sad day 
in uh, 2015. How about, well, this isn't going to get any brighter. How about Manute Bull? May he rest in peace. Different. I How thought different? he, I thought Manute was a really good guy. He was quiet too. He wasn't that talkative, but, uh, you know, <laughs> he was, he was real funny. And between him and, uh, McKimbe, they they've they've uh they brought the uh they 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 brought the African you know players on the map. Oh yeah. Absolutely. For for all the good things Manute Bowl did on the court, his real impact is measured by what he's done growing basketball around the world. Correct. How about one of my favorite players ever? So I, I mentioned, you know, 76ers fan, but I was born in California, didn't really understand geography, uh, though I should have been a Kings fan. I was a Golden State Warriors fan back in the run TMC days. And as any fan of that team, Tim Hardaway was my guy. Whoa, whoa, give me some Tim Hardaway thoughts. Mr. Biggs, as we called him, he was a little man and a big man's heart. <laughs> about Jamal Mashburn uh, I thought Jamal was a very good talented player he had it all handles to shoot it uh, post up mm -hmm. pretty complete player Alonzo Alonzo uh, shot blocker, um, legend, and I'm glad he ended up winning one. The man who ended the career of my last guest, Greg Miner, how about Dan Marley? Dan Marley. Great, great guy. Uh, amazing three-point shooter. And uh, was very happy to play with him, uh, you know, his uh, last years in the league because of his back. Mm. Um, but can really shoot that thing. P.J. Brown. Peanut butter. <laughs> Peanut butter jelly. That was my boy. <laughs> That was my boy, uh, PJ. I was, you know, I was really happy that Boston brought him back. He got a ring and, um, you know, just uh, excited for him. He was, he had a better Love career than people think he did. That guy had a really exactly. good NBA career. Yes, he did. I mean, he, PJ had to, the, you know, PJ was a really good defensive player and he can guard fours and fives. And he had that, you know, he had that 15-footer. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't really all that on the block. Right. He had the 15-footer. He could run the floor. And, uh, you know, he played really hard. And yes, he was he a very good defensive player. Very good defensive player. How about Rodney Rogers? <laughs> Rodney. I, I, I love it when it just it's just a laugh. I want to hear this. <laughs> Rodney Rogers. Wow. 
is all I can say. I'm not going to let you get away with just wow. Wow. <laughs> wow what? Why, why is that? That's too <laughs> ambiguous. Come on. we You know how this works. You can't just say wow. Wow, good, uh, wow, bad. No, it was good. Okay. Rodney Rogers was a was uh he was a character. Alright. <laughs> uh Anthony Penny Hardaway. Penny had he had game, man. Penny yeah. was Penny had it all. He had the height, handle, the shot. Uh, I, I thought he had a really good career. Uh, yeah, fortunately, he, he, you know, all the injuries that he had, which right. hindered him. They're talking about he's going to take over Memphis. Yeah, to replacing Toby Smith. That's that's interesting. He's He was just coaching in – he's coaching AAU, right? Yeah. I don't know how they're going to think that's going to do something. Was he even co- uh, was he even coaching in high school? No, I thought he was just coaching. Yeah, no. That's, he's just coaching a AAU. Interesting decision. But Penny's, Penny's one of those guys like – like Grant Hill, if they don't get hurt, you know, they're in the conversation for the top 15, 20 best players in the history of this game. Correct. How about Nick Anderson staying with that Orlando team? Nick, Nick, the slick. Man, Nick was a great, great guy. Love him to death. Still talk to him today. Um, uh, but uh, ever since that free throw situation, oh. I oh. really hurt him. Yeah. Yes, it did. I'll tell you what. Every player I have on this show seems to have come across Dominique Wilkins at some point in their career. How about Dominique? Man, that's now that's the man. I remember Dominique when we was at Orlando, and he was still windmilling. He was like 40-something years old. <laughs> Vince Carter before Vince Carter came along. Man, Vince was a uh, a great guy, uh, high energy, um, but incredible, incredible talent, um, you know, jumping ability, uh, athletic ability was just amazing. He was out this world. Well, Lee from, wasn't really ready for that when he first came in. Oh no, oh no, no. It, when when Vince came into the league, he came in with uh, he came in with Jason Williams, and there was just so much excitement around the two of those guys. Yeah. Uh, from one of the most athletic players in NBA history to Jawan Howard. Um. Just a work a workaholic. Jawan gave it every night. Mm-hmm. Fifteen I footer. You, I yeah. know you're trying to forget these Washington days, but uh, how about Mitch Richmond? Mitch is my man. He's there at uh, he's at St. John's. Mitch was a great player. Absol- uh, people absolutely. slept on Mitch actually. You're not kidding. This was a... man could score the basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 
I told you those those run TMC teams. That's where that's when I found my love of basketball. I saw him on the bench with uh with uh what's it called? He's over there with uh, assistant coaching over there at uh, St. John's. Yeah, what is that like for those kids? You have you look to the bench and there's Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond. That's ridiculous. You have to take that seriously. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't have no post coach. So no. that's <laughs> that's what's really... wrong with college basketball. They don't have. You know, how can you have a guard coaching post players? Well, there's a lot more than that wrong with college basketball. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, they, they they need to they need to stop all that. But anyway, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, Rod Strickland. Man, I think he was a. Uh, Best point guard at getting a layup. <laughs> Absolutely. Another man who was way better than history remembers. How about, uh, you were there for a 21-year-old Rip Hamilton. What was what was Rip like as a 21-year-old? Rip was uh, out of control. I remember his boy... Used, Rip used to sit in the back and have his boy drive him. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the type of Rip when he was young. First came in the league, that. rookie. Yeah, totally different player when you know when Detroit years and stuff when he won. You know, totally different player. But he could always shoot it, always to shoot that ball. Yeah. Uh, so we get to your final stop is the Grizzlies, and uh, how about Sharif Abdur Rahim? I thought Sharif was great, man. Uh, he played well that year, uh, got that big contract, but you know he was dealt with some injuries too. Mm. He was Michael, slow, you know. He yeah, was slow as true. a uh, as a as a power forward. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was a different kind of game. Hey, Sharif's yeah. was not an athleticism-based game. No, but he had the face-up jumper, had a nice little jump hook on the block so he could uh, get away, but he didn't have that much lift. You know, he had bad knees. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bad knees, how about Mike Bibby? I love Bibby. Team Dime! <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched any of this big three nonsense? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't even seen nothing. You're not missing anything, but I know Bibby's playing there. And uh, a man we mentioned earlier, Eddie Curry, available in the draft pool this year. Really? Yeah. I would I would love – so the big three doesn't really interest me too much. I've had a, I've had a bunch of those guys on the show. Jamar Johnson's been on the show. Lee Nalon's been on the show. But the actual games don't interest me. I would love to see that combine for for the big three, just to see who shows up and is you know who what what six foot two guard is now two hundred and twenty pounds. Let's let's say Steve Francis without saying Steve Francis, and just who who can't play anymore. I would love to see that. Right, right. Um. How about Big Country, Bryant Reeves? Man, Big Big Country was a really good guy. Uh, 
when they made us run outside, that was the end of country. We had to run a mile, <laughs> and that's when he hurt his back. And yeah. He was done. That's sad. That he's was not, from running he's not on the track. Running. No. Yeah. No, we had to run like a mile in so many. I think it was like a twelve-minute mile, eleven-minute mile, something like that. Yeah. And man, big country's out there running, and it threw his back out, and it was just that was the end of big country. What's because of that? That's how his that, career ended. That man was not meant to run a mile. Not built no. for that. Uh, another great. One maybe one of the best guests I've ever had on this show is Grant Long. Grant Long, Frank White, <laughs> <laughs> Grant Long, my man. It's just a good guy. He's a gentleman. Yeah, yeah really good guy. Yeah, really good guy. Um, how about Shane Battier? Shane Battier. I mean, he's a rookie mm. at Orlando. I think this was Vancouver. You played with him. Or Memphis at that point. Oh, really. mm, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was uh, Memphis. Yeah, it was um, Memphis. Would it tell another rookie, or at least certainly a young player, what was a 21-year-old Pagasul like? Pau came in so... Weak. Yeah. But I think the things that I put Powell through made him better as a player because mm-hmm. I used to be on him. And uh, last guy I have for you, very, very misunderstood player. We talked about him a little bit ago, Jason Williams. Jay Will. AKA White Chocolate. White Chocolate. Beast. I'm glad he got a ring too. Yeah. He's not what people his think game. he is. Nah. Jay is a down to earth goo, man. Really? That can a, I mean he pers- he he done some amazing things in the league. Yeah, for sure. And still to this day. Yeah, he, you know, I don't want to say he had a Bob Cousy-like impact on passing the basketball, but he certainly ushered him in a more fancy and flamboyant style of passing the basketball. Yeah. And yeah, I I think there were there were sort of perceptions about him coming out of West Virginia, friends with Moss, you know, maybe there was a little bit of trouble when he was younger. But he was not that guy at all. That he grew up really quick. Yeah. And then he immediately yeah, no, tore he his was... ACL, and as soon as the big three started, he did. Yeah, he tore his ACL. It's tore his ACL or popped his Achilles. I forget which one. Literally the first game, uh, of the big three. So he done. He uh he I think he might be trying to play again. He played in that um. Uh, in the celebrity game All Star Weekend, I think the celebrity game, but he he couldn't run at this. He's still not anything close to full speed. Wow, that's the risk. Shit, y'all gonna make me, y'all gonna make me get in shape. 
<laughs> it's, it's scary though. It, like I, you know, you're you're a little bit older than I am, but like even me, like I get hurt, and I do I do not heal like I did when I was 19, Isaac. Like I could not imagine no. what it's like to suffer a major injury at that point. Yeah, no, nah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't even well, do it. I'm so luckily, far out of shape. I'd have <laughs> I need three years to get in shape. <laughs> Well, Isaac, but I can still shoot it. You can still. It is still water, as they water say. Water splash. <laughs> well, look, Isaac. I've uh, taken up a lot of your time. I've really enjoyed this. This has been this week's episode of Tales from the Association. He has been Isaac Austin. Isaac, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it, Chris. It was great, and uh, let's do it again, man. <laughs>